Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning. It's really great to be with you again. Over the last few months, we have been going through our Gospel Encounter series, which I trust you've really enjoyed. We've spent a number of months now looking at Jesus's life, considering um, the encounters he had with people day to day uh, from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and how in the encounter they had with him, their lives were totally transformed. Wherever Jesus went, he connected with people on a personal level, one-to-one. He dealt with them as individuals. He saw them as individuals and he ministered to them at their point of need. It's been a fantastic um, uh, time to really consider Jesus's ministry, but not only that, to get to know him better as he's revealed in the pages of scripture to us. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do as we spend time in the word together. We're gonna be bringing this series to a close now. And I thought it would be really good in just in this closing message to consider what I think is the last gospel encounter, which takes place in Luke's gospel and chapter 23. Now, this is the moment where Jesus is put on the cross between two criminals, um, one of whom remains unrepentant and one of whom is repentant and seeks mercy from Jesus, recognising not only Jesus' innocence, but also his own guilt um, in in doing so. So we're going to read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, and verse 32 down to verse 43. It says this, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you were under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It's a really intense um, account, isn't it, of these moments um, after Jesus is put up on the cross. Uh, And I think the intensity comes from um, the situation and it comes from the fact that this is an exchange between two men, Jesus and this criminal, both of whom were in agonising pain in the last moments of life. And because of that, this intense encounter takes place between them. And in the intensity of it all, I believe it really shows us the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are four things uh, that I'd like to just pull out from this for us today, which I believe are really um, key elements of the gospel that we need to understand in order to be able to embrace the gospel fully in its message and to take that message out into the world. The first of those things really is the injustice of it all. 
at the heart of the gospel message, there is injustice. Jesus was totally innocent. Under Roman law, Pontius Pilate said, I find no guilt in this man. Under Jewish law, even though he'd been accused of crimes such as blasphemy, he was innocent of them because he was telling the truth of who he was and who he is. So Jesus was totally innocent and yet was convicted. In fact, there's never been anyone before or since in this world who is totally innocent, totally free from sin and yet suffered in such a way that Jesus did. No one has ever suffered in that way. So we have an injustice right at the heart of the gospel. And Jesus is, we're told at the beginning of this passage, placed um, with one criminal on his right hand and one criminal on his left hand <clears throat> to be in, in like a, a gallery, a display of criminals on display for the world. It reminded me of earlier in the Gospels where we read that James and John approached Jesus one day and said, um, can we sit on your right and left hand in your kingdom? In fact, there's another um, story of their mother approaching Jesus and asking the same thing. And I wonder if they approached him, maybe got a rebuttal, and then they said, well, let's go to mum and maybe mum can persuade him. They were keen, but they were naive. And Jesus said, you don't understand what you're asking. The cup that I have to drink, you won't be able to bear. And Jesus was looking forward perhaps to this moment when there would be a man on his right and left hand. And that was not the path for James and John. But what it does show in their naivety, it shows an ignorance of the injustice of the cross. Not so much of Jesus's innocence, that is obvious, but of their guilt and of our guilt. You see, the cross forces us in the injustice of it to face up to the fact that this injustice um, trumps any other injustice in the world, that there's no greater injustice than this. And it also causes us to face up to our guilt before God. It's really important for us to understand that because there is so much injustice in this world. Lots of people in this world have suffered injustices and are suffering injustices right now. But when we come to Christ and when we come to embrace the gospel message, we have to accept our position before God, that actually we are all guilty before God. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we're all under God's judgment and we have to recognise that and embrace Jesus's death and resurrection as paying the penalty for that sin. Part of being able to do that is letting go of any injustices that we ourselves have suffered. And this is where it gets really quite hard for us sometimes when we've suffered great injustices. When Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says this, he says, look, I want you to forgive one another, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And what he was saying is, in order to embrace the forgiveness of God the Father, you yourself have to let go of all the things that have been done to you that were wrong, all the injustices that have been posed upon you, in order to embrace this injustice imposed upon Jesus which is our means of salvation. So it causes us to face up to that. And that's the only way we come to true repentance before God. The second thing that's really obvious to me is the brutality that's at the heart of the gospel. This is a brutal act that took place 
it's ugly, it's brutal. There are pages um, from the gospel writers covering the moments, the minutes and the hours that took place over this agonizing event of Jesus not only being whipped and beaten and effectively tortured, but also crucified. All that he went through was simply what we can see in the physical. We can't even see what was taking place in the spiritual realms as the weight of sin was placed upon him who knew no sin. That's brutal. And I think the reason why it's very brutal is it's to show us the ugliness of sin. You see, it would be very easy with our 21st century viewpoint to just dismiss the way that Jesus died as um, uh, just something that happened under a primitive system of justice, the Roman um, punishment system, the Roman judiciary system. But actually, I believe we shouldn't do that. I believe that in the brutality of it all, God is showing us the ugliness of sin that had to be dealt with and actually what was necessary in order to deal with that sin. You see, sin is toxic and God knows that. God cannot abide sin um, because he knows that it brings death and decay wherever it goes. He knows that it's pervasive. He knows that it's a silent killer. What can seem innocuous in its beginnings, beginnings will always grow to be something that brings death. That's what sin is. When it came into the world, it corrupted men and women in their hearts and has continued to do so for generation after generation. And therefore, for God to deal with it properly, he has to sanitise it completely because of its toxicity. We find that when sin first came into the world, Adam and Eve um, felt a shame immediately. And what happened straight away is that God came and covered that shame and he used the skin of an animal to do it. In other words, the first blood that was shed in Eden was shed by God to take the life of a, an innocent animal to, in order to clothe Adam and Eve's shame and nakedness. What we can learn from that is that the only way that sin can be dealt with is through death, through the shedding of blood, which is what we learn throughout the word, to decisively deal with the problem of sin. So the the the, the gospel message um, forces us to face up to the seriousness of sin and the toxicity of sin and the ugliness of having to deal with that as um, happened on the cross. The third element here is that um, the gospel at its heart is actually a divisive message. That might sound a strange thing to say, but um, it, not divisive as in dividing God and man. It doesn't do that. It brings men and women back to God, but it can divide men and women from each other, men from men and women from women, from, uh, because the gospel message comes with an ultimatum. You see, in this um, passage we've just read, we've got two criminals. One chooses to reject Jesus and is unrepentant, and the other chooses to embrace Jesus, to recognise his sin and to ask for forgiveness. So the gospel message comes in and splits these two criminals in two. Jesus comes literally in the middle of them. They reacted differently to him. And the gospel message is not here to bring people together. The gospel message is here to come with an ultimatum. You can either embrace Jesus and embrace life 
or you can reject him and death will follow. Death is the end result of rejecting Jesus. And he came to bring us that choice and to urge us to choose life. Just as Moses urged the people of Israel in the desert, here's death, here's life, now choose life. So um, the gospel is actually a divisive message. It forces us to choose God's way or to reject God's way. We're not used to that in 21st century. We're not used to that in our modern society, are we? We're used to having a range of choices put before us. Um, we're not used to a narrow choice of yes or no. In fact, we've come to expect a menu of choices wherever we go. And if we don't get one, we kind of feel cheated, don't we? That there wasn't much choice to choose from. We can feel that choices need to be tailored for us and for our needs and preferences and wants. Well, you know, the gospel is nothing like that. The gospel is the opposite of that. The gospel doesn't give you a menu of choices. The gospel says, embrace me or reject me. And that's exactly what happens um, in this passage that we've just read. The repentant criminal doesn't take a moment to consider uh, his position and then ask Jesus for a range of options for him to choose from. Just give me a minute and I'll get back to you, Lord. This was a man who was desperate, who knew that death was approaching and in that desperation said, Lord, I need you and I recognise my position before you. We have to accept the gospel on God's terms and not ours. And we have to be those that once we've done that, live our lives in that way. In other words, we accept the things that God wants for our life and we don't try to pick and choose the things that suit us. The choices and options that God gives us, they're not for us to choose from. When God calls someone into his kingdom, it's a yes, yes, Lord. And it's a yes, Lord, every single day. We have to embrace the lordship of Jesus in our everyday life. The last thing I want to just draw out of this um, passage is something else that I believe is at the heart of the gospel. And, and that is that it, it is, and it's something we've, I believe we've seen in the Gospel Encounter series. The gospel is intensely personal. The gospel is the good news to all mankind. And yet it is an intensely personal message. And we find that in this, um, this account of Luke. Think about what's going on. Jesus is on the cross. He's surrounded by people. He's surrounded by people that are weeping, people that are mourning him, people that are shouting at him, people that are hurling abuse at him, people that are standing by looking disinterested. This was a huge scene that was going on. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus takes the moment to turn to this man and to have a one-on-one -on -one encounter with him, to respond to him with words of kindness and mercy and to promise this repentant criminal a place with him in paradise. The word that Jesus uses, paradise, um, is only found three places and the whole of the New Testament is found here. It's found in the letter to the Corinthians where Paul talks about ascending to the third heaven. And it's also used in the book of Revelation where it talks about believers um, uh, being in paradise and being able to eat from the tree of life. It's actually a word which was imported um, into the Hebraic language. It comes from a Persian word, which means a walled garden. 
And actually, to be really specific, it meant the walled garden of the king of Persia. And the tradition is that the king of Persia would, from time to time, invite individuals to come into his walled garden and to walk with him one-to-one in the privacy of his garden. It was a special honour that was bestowed upon people from time to time. And that's the language that Jesus used here. He is saying to this man, I'm inviting you to come into this place of privilege, this walled garden of mine, and to spend time with me one-on-one. We will be together in this walled garden and we will have time together. What a fantastic promise. What an act of mercy. And you know, that's the invitation of the gospel, that intensely personal invitation that came to each one of us. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't belong to him, that invitation is here for you today. You can know him and his invitation is personal for you. What it means is this, Jesus didn't just send you an invite. Jesus personally came to get you. Jesus personally came and embraced you in all of your sin, even though that's a toxic thing and something that uh, was not part of him, in order to take that away from you, that sin in all its ugliness and to clothe you in robes of righteousness. What a wonderful act. What a personal act, an intensely personal one. So there are four things here which I believe are right at the heart of the gospel. The first that we looked at was the injustice. And I believe that um, it, it forces us to face up to our real position before God and to let go of the injustices that we ourselves have faced in our lives. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you're facing right now. Paul the Apostle was someone who was acutely aware of this as his life Um, um, during his life as he grew and matured as a believer, he had a greater and ever greater revelation of the grace of God toward him because God gave him an ever greater revelation of the filth of his own sin when he met Jesus that day on the Damascus Road. And it's not that God wants us to live in condemnation, not at all, but he wants to give us a greater revelation of his grace as we grow in him by showing us the true injustice that took place and how we need to let go of the injustices that have meted out upon us as we recognise our position before God and the mercy and the grace that we received. The second thing we said was that the gospel at its heart is brutal because it deals with the ugliness of sin and it forces us to face up to that ugliness. And in so doing, it means as we face up to the ugliness of sin, as we recognise the seriousness of it, Uh, and the insipidness of it, that we deal with it, that we call upon God to help us deal with sin in our lives, that we keep short account with God, that we don't take a light view of sin, that we walk in righteousness with the help of the Holy Spirit every day. The third thing we said was that the gospel is actually divisive in the sense that it forces us to make a decision about whether we embrace Jesus or reject him, And once we've embraced him, whether on a daily basis, we will embrace all that he's called us to do, whether we'll be obedient to him, whether we choose to accept all the things he's called us to do, or whether we're going to be um, pick and mix Christians that choose the things that suit them, that choose the things that they may want to do, and just ignore the things that maybe we don't want to do. It forces us to do that on a daily basis. And lastly, 
we saw that it's an intensely personal thing, the gospel. It's a personal encounter, not just for the people that we've read about in the gospels. It's a personal encounter for us. We've all had a gospel encounter. And that gospel encounter meant that the King of Kings invited us into his walled garden for a moment of intimacy with him, for a relationship that is an intimate one that will be above all other relationships that we will have in this life. And not only that, to walk with him every day in his garden, to enjoy time in his presence, in that intimate relationship that we have with him. We need to be those who uh, are determined every day when we get up to walk with the King of Kings in his walled garden and enjoy fellowship with him. And that that is our biggest priority. I trust that you've um, enjoyed this message today um, and I trust that you've enjoyed our entire series, the Gospel Encounter series. The podcasts are available on our website so you can go back and watch any of them again or or catch up on any that you've missed. And I trust above all things that it it has encouraged you um, to seek out Jesus, to uh, find that personal connection with him, to get to know him better um, every single day and have your Gospel Encounter day after day after day. Um, We'll be with you again soon. And in the meantime, take care and God bless. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.